Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Patriots Beat Podcast for the week of April 4th, 2016. I'm your host, Michael Longi, and we have a great show for you guys this week. Plenty to talk about, as always. A couple signings made in free agency by the Patriots, including defensive tackle Terrence Knighton. Uh, So we'll get into that. We'll talk about, you know, the fits with the team, things like that, money, cap situations, all that stuff. We'll get into that. Also re-signed Patrick Chung uh, through 2018, so we'll get into that as well. I'm very happy about that move. Talk a little bit of draft strategy because, you know, I mean, some people say it's too early for the NFL draft talk. Some people say it's never too early. So we'll get into it a little bit, not too much. Uh, And we're also going to be joined by Mike Dussault of uh, PatsPropaganda.com. He'll be joining the show to talk about the recent signings and give his thoughts on maybe where the Patriots are going to try to go in the draft uh, this year. So, uh, And then we'll close out the show with some thoughts on Julius Adams and Kevin Turner, two former Patriots players who passed away over the past couple weeks. So, uh, well, let's let's get right into it. We'll get started. Um, I'm just going to throw my two cents in on a couple of the signings that were made a couple weeks ago, namely Chris Long and Shea McClellan. Um, I'm very happy about both signings. I think they'll both be good moves. Chris Long is a talented guy. He's had some injury troubles over the past couple years, but... Hey, I mean, number two overall pick back in 2008. He's, he just hit age 30. He, he might be a better all-around pass rusher than Chandler Jones is. Now, Chandler Jones is obviously younger. He's obviously, you know, a bigger guy. Chandler Jones is like six foot five. I, think, I don't think Chris Long is that tall. Um, but the thing about Chris Long is, the thing about Chandler Jones, I should say, was he had some issues with stopping the run at times. There was definitely issues there. He also had issues uh, with wearing out late in the season. So I don't have the stat in front of me, but I I, I think the the he, out of his first he had twelve and a half or thirteen sacks uh, in 2015. Uh, out of those fifteen, he he had like eleven or twelve of them in the first you know. 12 weeks of the season and then the last half of the season he had what one or two so and it's ha- it's not the only year that that's happened he's kind of done that throughout the course of his career so far he kind of he starts out great and oh wow he's gonna he could be a defensive player of the year candidate and then oh wait he, he falls off and and then all of a sudden you have you know no nowhere to go so that's happened a couple times. Chris Long, I you know, like I said, he's had some injury troubles, but he's been a generally been a consistent player throughout his career. I think that's a good move for your defensive end position. Now you have Jabal Sheard, Chris Long, Rob Ninkovich, 
and you know probably someone that the Patriots will go out and draft, rotating through a defensive end, that's a pretty good group right there. Um, and then, you know, Shea McClellan, who that was another position of need, the middle linebacker spot. I, I you know, talking to Paul Perillo a couple weeks ago, I said, you know, where are they going to go in, in free agency? Looking at that guy, I had mentioned James Laurinaitis at the time because uh, he had just been released from the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Uh, he said, no, probably not. They'll probably go for, you know, a draft, a guy, a guy who can contribute on special teams. And then lo and behold, a couple weeks later, they come out and they sign Shea McClellan, uh, former, another former first-round pick, 19th overall by the Chicago Bears back in, I believe, 2011 or 2012. And, you know, they grab a middle linebacker, sign him to a three-year deal. He's locked in. So it looks like he's, I mean, if they sign him to a deal like that, it looks like he's going to play a decent amount of snaps. They're probably anticipating at some point either Collins or Hightower will probably get hurt, um, at least for you know a, a small amount of time, if anything. But having that insurance, having the backup plan, really, as we'll talk about as we go th- kind of through these signings here, it looks like the Patriots are really kind of doubling down on every position that they dubbed to be important, and they're making sure that if they have injury problems like they did this year, that they're not going to lose games because of it. And they're just stacking the roster, it looks like, with really quality players. One of those players is, you know, Shane McClellan, who will be your third linebacker in a, in a, in a defense that doesn't really roll with three linebackers anymore. They roll that, you know, nickel package kind of out. Patrick Chung, who, as I mentioned, has just been re-signed. We'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, he's a guy who can come in and kind of play that linebacker spot that you know, quote unquote linebacker spot in the nickel defense as a as a, a big safety, and you're not necessarily having three linebackers out on the field at the same time anymore, unless it's a definite run play or something like that, and you know, so it's either a it's a depth thing, it's you know whether if Collins gets hurt, if Hightower gets hurt, you have Shane McClellan who can step right in. Um, I think it's a genius move. I think it's a very good move. You know. Maybe he can contribute on special teams, but I doubt it. They'll probably still draft someone who can can uh, contribute on special teams in that way. I think Shane McClellan is going to get a decent amount of snaps. You know, he's going to be a guy. He's going to be like Jonathan Casillas, like um, guys like that. Uh, Darius, uh, what's his name there? Darius Fleming. Guys like that. Guys who came in and played some linebacker but weren't that effective. This guy's going to come in and play linebacker. But he's going to be effective, I feel. You know, he's a talented guy, former first-round pick, like I said. Um, He had some issues in Chicago. They weren't necessarily a fan of him out there. Um, He also have to consider in his uh, four seasons so far in the league, he's had three different uh, defensive coordinators. He's had several different coaches. They have moved him around. They moved him from middle linebacker to outside pass rusher to outside linebacker run stopper. Um, So they moved him kind of all over the place. Uh, never really was able to get comfortable. Uh, Belichick probably looked at it and said, well, look, I mean, the kid can play a couple different positions. He can move around. Uh, let's sign him. We'll, we won't play him too much because we have two guys in front of him. But, hey, if something happens, we have this great backup plan. Uh, not many teams, I can imagine, can say we have a, a former, you know, top 20 overall pick uh, playing third linebacker for us. You know what I mean? So, great move on that spot. Fills the hole made by... Uh, Gerard Mayo's retirement. Um, you know, so I like the two moves on the defensive side of the ball. It's it's 
really at this point, you're just kind of stacking the roster. You're filling holes that you made. So Gerard Mayo retires. You replace him with Shane McClellan. You trade away Chandler Jones. You replace him with Chris Long. So not necessarily, you know, one for one changes, but, you know, in I, I might think that Chris Long and Shea McClellan right now are better than collectively. I think those two players are better, better for your, your team than an aging, injured Gerard Mayo and a, a Chandler Jones who can't, you know, keep it going all year long. And also, let's not forget, recently had that whole incident where he showed up at the Foxborough police station without shoes on, claiming that he was having some issues, right? So we, you know, we don't know what's up with that. I'm not saying that that's the reason why they traded him, but I have a feeling that that made it a little bit easier uh, at that point. So, you know, and speaking of that trade, the Jonathan Cooper thing, I think is a great move as well. I think it's, you know, we talked about needing a, a, a veteran offensive lineman, a veteran guard to be on that team with all the young guys. And look at that. They go out and they get one. Uh, former number uh, seven overall pick. So look, uh, it, it's kind of funny. And I've seen, you know, you know the, the little um, memes running around Twitter and Facebook and things like that that, that say, oh, you know, the, 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 the Patriots lost their first round pick. So they go out and they sign... Uh, Long, McClellan, Nate Washington, who was a former first-round pick, Terrence, uh, I mean, um, excuse me, uh, they trade for Jonathan Cooper, all these guys, so they grab like four former f- former first-round picks, uh, and they're just like, well, eh, you, we, we don't have a first-round pick this year, we'll just grab all these former first-round picks from previous years, and we'll throw them on our team instead. Um, so I, I just think it's kind of funny. Um, is Belichick, you know, purposely making that uh, kind of jab at the league? I don't know. I don't know if he's really that kind of a guy. I think he's just trying to make the team better. It is kind of hilarious, though, for, you know, for people like us to sit here and talk about, well, look, they you, you took away their first-round pick, and they went out and they grabbed four uh, former first-round picks. So, And then they, in, in addition, got all those compensatory draft picks that they have. So now, you know, they're stacked in the middle rounds. Uh, it's looking great. It's looking great. For, for the New England Patriots right now. That's for sure. Um, so, you know, Nate Washington, again, I mentioned his name. He was a guy who was signed. I, I don't know how they're going to fit all these wide receivers on the team. He's probably a camp body, I would imagine, at this point. Um, I don't think that he's probably going to find a place on this team with, you know, with Martellus Bennett, Rob Gronkowski, uh, all these different guys. Julian Edelman still, Danny Amendola still. It's going to be hard enough for Danny Amendola to get his catches with with all these other receiving threats on the field now. I can't imagine that Nate Washington as the the fifth wide receiver or you know, I can't imagine he's going to get too many looks coming his way. So, but still, you know, good signing in just to you know to keep the competition going in camp. Um, as far as other signings made this week, the the Patriots also went out and signed. Uh, a defensive back, E.J. Biggers, who played for the Philadelphia Eagles, and uh, tight end Clay Harbor uh, from the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, um, you know, g- these moves I'm not, you know, entirely sure about. I don't. I'm when I say I'm not entirely sure about them, I don't, I don't have any issue with them. I just don't really know much about the players involved. Uh, E.J. Biggers, for example, you know, he was a former seventh round pick. Uh, in 2009 on a Western Michigan. He's played for seven years. Um, he's played in 92 games total. Only 30, 34 of those were starts. 
Um, last year, he played for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he only had three starts. Uh, he played in all 16 games, but he only had three starts, 44 tackles, uh, seven passes defended. So uh, six feet tall, 185 pounds. He looks like he's kind of a longer corner. I personally, this is just a personal thing for me, I like the tall corners. I think it's a good I think it's a good thing to have. I think I would rather have my corners to be six feet and above than than small guys um, just because of the sheer size of wide receivers in the league nowadays. But that's a personal preference for me. I think that, you know, at this point, signing corners, um, you could, you'll grab whoever you can grab at this point because you have Malcolm Butler and then pretty much everybody else. You know what I mean? Logan Ryan had a good year last year, but he's been very inconsistent in his career as a whole. Um, we're not really sure how that's going. And then behind him, uh, behind, you know, Malcolm Butler and then Logan Ryan, after that you have Justin Coleman. You have, you know, I don't even know who else you have after that. So signing the cornerback position, that whoever you can get at this point, you're going to bring them in and see how they can do. Uh, so EJ Biggers signed. I feel like that's definitely a position that they'll address in the draft. Um, try to go out and get a defensive back and bring him in uh, to see if he can compete for a starting job there or at least the job as a nickel corner or something like that. Because Justin Coleman, he wasn't too impressive last year either. He had some injury troubles, first of all, and then even when he did play, uh, he wasn't necessarily very consistent. He's another guy. He's tall, six foot one, long, um, but still wasn't consistent. He's a young guy. He's not necessarily the most talented guy out there. Uh, so if you can you know, sign a bunch of guys and see what sticks kind of mentality for the cornerback position um we are still talking obviously about the you know the number three corner spot um behind Malcolm Butler and Logan Ryan so whoever you can get you can get EJ Biggers for all I know is a good signing you know six feet tall 185 pounds um we'll see how that goes um as far as Clay Harbor this is one that that I think could be a very very interesting signing now before, if this had happened, and so let's say the Patriots didn't go out and trade for Martellus Bennett, and we're still looking for a number two tight end behind Rob Gronkowski, which I personally have been screaming for ever since you know Hernandez went to jail, you need a second tight end. You need a guy to take the pressure off of Gronk in the middle of the field, not Julian Edelman, who I know still operates in the middle of the field, but it's different. Julian operate Julian Edelman operates in a different at a different level of the offense than Rob Gronkowski does. And, you know, different routes, different things. You can cover both of those guys at the same time. But you can't go out and cover two big-time tight ends, which the Patriots now have in Martellus Bennett and Rob Gronkowski. You know, Martellus Bennett is also a very good blocker, so that helps a lot. Um, so I thought the Patriots, well... I mean, look, you go out and get Martellus Bennett, you have Rob Gronkowski. Now I'm thinking, well, the Patriots are all set at tight end. They got the two tight ends. Um, they're all, they're good, right? And then they go out and they make this signing. They they sign Clay Harbor, a six-year man out of uh, Missouri State. He played for the Jacksonville Jaguars over the past few years. He was drafted in the fourth round uh, by the Philadelphia Eagles in 2010. Six-foot-three, 250-pound tight end. Pretty good hands, um, 111 catches in his career, eight touchdowns. Um, 
you know, he was underutilized from all reports. Uh, he was underutilized in Jacksonville last year. Only 14 catches for 149 yards and one touchdown. For those of you who, who follow the Jaguars or know, you know, follow the league as a whole, you know that the Jaguars signed Julius Thomas last year from Denver, so he was their number one tight end option. They didn't, they didn't even think to throw a second tight end out there probably most of the time. So Clay Harbor underutilized, but... Look, at six foot three, 250 pounds, from everything I've been reading, this guy also has a lot of positional versatility. He's a guy who can line up at fullback. He can line up, you know, split out wide. Like, they love to split out, obviously, they love to split out Gronkowski wide. They'll probably split out Martellus Bennett wide several times. This is another guy who you can split out wide, stretch out the defense. You can also line him up, like I said, at fullback, at H-back. Uh, he can do, you remember when, you know, Aaron Hernandez used to line up in the backfield. Uh, now, I'm not saying this guy is Aaron Hernandez athletically because Aaron Hernandez was six foot five and a freak athlete. So he was basically a wide receiver that weighed 250 pounds. This guy is not necessarily that. He's a good player. He's a, a versatile player, a player who you can line up in different positions. And that's really some, one of the things, if you can play several, if you can do several things for Bill Belichick, you're going to make the team. Like, I think they're going to carry three tight ends on this team, and they're going to play three tight ends in 2016 because this guy can do so many different things. It can also, you know, it'll help the run game because why not? You know what I mean? Why not throw, uh, you know, after you lost um, your fullback last year, you know, James Devlin, excuse me, it just his, his name just escaped me for a second. After you lost James Devlin, he broke his leg in like week six or seven you lost him. That was a pretty devastating blow that nobody talked about uh, because he was a great run blocker. He was a he was a good pass catcher out of the backfield. He could do a couple different things for you. And uh, you know Belichick has also has always utilized his fullback in ways that other teams don't. You know what I mean? Especially as the league has gone more and more to the passing game, Belichick is still utilizing the fullback. And I think he's going to continue to utilize him with Clay Harbor. He's going to bring him in. He's going to put him in the backfield. He's going to put him out wide. He's going to put him in the shotgun. He's going to do all sorts of things with him. Because think about this. There could potentially be a package on the field. Let's call it the the jumbo-jumbo package, right? And you could literally put out Rob Gronkowski, Martellus Bennett, and Clay Harbor. All, you know, 700 pounds of those guys, right? You know what I mean? I mean, you know, Gronk 265. Martellus Bennett, who, it shocks me. It blows my mind that he is actually a bigger person than Gronk. Martellus Bennett. Martellus Bennett is 6'7", 270 pounds. So you get 265, 270, and 250 rolling out on the field at the same time. All three of them in threat to catch the football. That's a tough that's a tough thing. Now that's obviously I'm not sure if it's going to happen. That's obviously a, a pipe dream at this point, but listen, the 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 options that you have with with all these different guys starting to really make me excited for football season already. Look, we're we're getting close to the the NBA playoffs. The Celtics are making runs. The 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 Red Sox are opening up the season tomorrow. But I'm sitting here excited for September. When the Patriots can get back out on the field, so I can see the, th- the, th- the three tight ends on the field at the same time. That's that's what I want. I want three tight ends on the field at the same time. Hey, you brought out four. Belichick put four tight ends on the field at once. 
uh, last year. Now, granted, it was to run the football, not throw the football, but you could think about it. You could put three tight ends out there and run the and throw the football. Wow, that's going to catch somebody off guard. I know it is. So, um, I'm not sure how, by the way, I'm not sure how Clay Harbor is as a blocker, but I would assume if he can play fullback and H-back and stuff like that, that he can probably block somebody, right? So, um, I'm definitely digging that signing for sure. And then uh, that'll move us into uh, Patrick Chung. Patrick Chung re-signed through 2018. He had 85 combined tackles last year, uh, and he's just a great fit for what the Patriots like to do. You know what I mean? I really enjoy, you know, Patrick Chung. I had issues with him at, at the beginning of his career when he was originally drafted second round by the Patriots. I had issues with him. I said, well... You know, he can't figure out the coverage thing. He doesn't know what he's doing out there. And he wasn't a fit for the team at that time. Then he left. They brought in Devin, you know, they had Devin McCourty. He emerged. They have, you know, Deron, excuse me, Deron Harmon, who is another guy who can play that center fielder kind of role. Uh, Jordan Richards, who they drafted second round. They have guys who can play that center fielder role. And Patrick Chung now can just, be the eighth man in the box and, and help with the run game, which is why, I mean, 85 combined tackles, that's where that comes from. And, you know, he's not out in coverage a lot of the time. He's, he's like I said before, he's that guy who can be your de facto, you know, small linebacker slash jumbo safety um, in that base nickel package that the Patriots have seemed to be running lately. So I think that's huge. That's huge. Patrick Chung being on the team, he's really gotten a lot better. Since he left and came back, he really became a much better player. He's better in coverage now than he was back then. He's be He can cover a tight end, and he's not, you know, he's not getting killed every single time, which is a great thing to see. Uh, so, um, but listen, all of that, in my opinion, all of those signings pale in comparison to the Terrence Knighton signing. I'm a huge fan of the Terrence Knighton signing. This... This is something the Patriots have been missing since Vince Wilfork left. That big body, solid defensive tackle, big time run stuffer, takes up two blockers on the on the offensive line every single play. That's the guy that you've been missing. Now, Akeem Hicks did a great job when he was here. He was playing and he is left now. Um but he wasn't as, you know, as talented as a Will Fork or a Terrence Knighton or whatever. Um, this is, I think, a really important signing for the defensive line. Now, it does, I will admit this, it does kind of surprise me a little bit because from everything I've been hearing, which we'll, we'll talk about the draft in a couple of minutes, but from everything I've been hearing, the draft is is rife with defensive line prospects defensive ends pass rushers um, defensive tackles you know stopping it up in the middle a lot of prospects on the defensive line in this year's draft from what I've heard now that's you know from what I've been reading and things like that now do these guys know anything else that we don't know really they don't I mean come on let's be honest it's all projections it's all you know I think this guy is just game translates well here is it going to translate well to the college to the pro game boom do these guys know? I have no idea. Defensive tackle is a position where, you know, if you're massive, you can get by being massive. 
You know what I mean? So Vince Wilfork was massive. He also was incredibly strong and had the, the, the best feet I think I've ever seen on a guy who's 330 pounds. Um, if you ever, if you, if you guys caught the, uh, the hard knocks, the HBO hard knocks of the Houston Texans last, last season, there was this, uh, scenes when Vince Wilfork was out playing basketball out on the court and he was, he literally looked like if, if Paul Pierce was 300 pounds, he would be Vince Wilfork on the basketball court. It was hilarious. Like Vince Wilfork was doing the step back jumper. He was, he was wetting threes and everything. The guy's an athlete. There's no question about it. The guy is an athlete. So. Now, Terrence Knighton, on the other hand, from everything I've seen, you know, obviously he he played for the Denver Broncos for a few years and, you know, was a really, that's where he made his bones. He became a household name. Uh, he signed a good-sized deal in Washington after that. Last year in Washington, not the best year. He played 15 games, only 29 tackles, uh, only one and a half sacks, which, you know, as, you know, for his job, for his role, isn't necessarily terrible, but... You know, he's obviously not jumping off the page with those numbers. He's just a guy who, like I said, will plug up that hole in the middle. He will plug up the A gap. He's going to take the center and the guard. Whether it's the left guard or the right guard, he's going to take one of those guys plus the center, and he's going to handle those two guys with his massive 330-pound frame. So I think that's a thing that the Patriots the Patriots need it. Like I said, they haven't had it, really had it since Vince Wilfork. And now, with it, you allow Jamie Collins, Dante Hightower, Shea McClellan, Patrick Chung, all these guys that I've been talking about over the course of the show, you're going to allow all of these people now to make plays behind him, behind Terrence Knighton. Terrence Knighton's going to be taking up two blockers. The other three or four defensive linemen are going to try to take up the rest of the blockers. And then you have Hightower and Collins, who are two of the most athletic and best sideline-to-sideline linebackers in the league, you now have both of them running free most of the time because the the offensive line can't get through uh, to that second level and start making blocks into the secondary. That's huge. That's huge because if the Patriots had any, you know, the Patriots played really, really, really well on defense in 2015. But if they did have any spots where they were kind of iffy, kind of sketchy, Towards the end of the season, it was in the running game. We remember in the uh, in the in the Denver game that they lost in overtime. That game was won on a 25-yard run by C.J. Anderson. He just kind of blasted through the hole and was gone. You know what I mean? So the run defense was a little shaky at times last season, and this will help get it, this will help make it better. It will it will help? Like I said, Hightower and Collins will be able to fly around and make plays. Patrick Chung will be able to fly around and make plays in the run game. And, you know, will it necessarily help the pass rush? Probably not, but you bring in other guys for that. Like I said, you brought in Chris Long for that. Rob Ninkovich is a great underrated pass rusher. Jabal Sheard will will see more snaps this year and will be, you know, probably a more productive player. I, I, think, I think the defensive line, once again, is going to be the strength of this team. The front seven will be the strength of this team. It was the strength of the team last year, and I think they've already gotten better. They've they've gotten better than last year. You add Chris Long, you add Shea McClellan, you add Terrence Knighton, and you only lose Akeem Hicks and Chandler Jones. Gerard Mayo, who barely even played. To me, that's a move up. That's not a move down. I think it's really good. I think it's really good. And... 
this segues kind of perfectly into the draft. Like, uh, oh, by the way, just before I get off the Terrence Knighton thing, uh, he signed a one-year deal worth up to four and a half million dollars. Um, so it's it's kind of a trial basis thing. We're gonna see how that goes. Remember, we you still have uh, Dominique Easley on the team, who's supremely talented but can't stay healthy. Uh, you still have Malcolm Brown on the team, who showed a lot in his rookie year in, in limited playing time. So uh, you're, you're still stacked up at the defensive tackle position behind Terrence Knighton. Um, so, man, you, you're looking really good on the defensive line. And, uh, you know, segueing into the draft, this really allows you to address certain positions, and you could probably even spend several draft picks on a certain position. Like, you could go out and draft two corners, and you can go out and draft, you know, two running backs or a wide receiver and a running back or however you want to do it. You can go out and draft, you know, several different players that you like and not necessarily have to get, you know, address all these different needs. You're going to be able to go out and get the guys, the, the positions that you really, really, really need to bolster. So we've already mentioned defensive line has been bolstered. Linebacker has been bolstered. Tight end has been bolstered. Wide receiver has been bolstered. So now you can go out and you can address running back in the draft. You can address a cornerback in the draft. You can address... Uh, what else do you need to address? Not, nothing really. It, corner and, and running back are really the only two I can think of. And then at, and at that point, you can go out and you can just start adding the depth. You can add you know, depth at the positions you need. Probably go out and get... Uh, Offensive tackle, that's a position of need. So offensive tackle, running back, cornerback, probably in that order would be the positions that you can go out and get. And now you can go out and you can draft a left tackle and a right tackle. You can go out and get a couple different guys. You can go out and experiment. You can mix and match. You can do all these different things because let's not forget the Patriots have 11 draft picks this year. They might not have a first rounder, but they have 11 draft picks. They're no first rounder and uh, no, what is it, no fourth round or no fifth round, something like that. But they've got, you know, two in the third round. They've got three in the fourth round. They've got th- uh, four in the sixth round. Uh, so pos- spots in the draft where Bill Belichick has shown over the years that he is very effective at drafting guys in those spots. Guys that may be overlooked by other teams, guys like, you know, who just might fit the system specifically and be able to go out and get those guys. So I'm really liking it. I'm really liking how the team is shaping up. And it's only, what, it's it's only, it's April. It's April 4th, and the team is already shaping up fantastic. We haven't even hit the draft yet. Um, the free agency is still going on, you know what I mean? They could still be a signing or two before the draft, and then after the draft, obviously, there's, you know, other players get released, and then there could be more signings. So... I don't think Belichick's done by any means. I don't think he is done by any means. Um, but let, look, let's let's bring in another uh, voice on the subject. Let's get in uh, Mike Dussault of PatsPropaganda.com. Um, the interview with uh, Mike is brought to you by SeatGeek. Uh, have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated, and they try to sneak in all these huge fees at checkout. Uh, that's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. 
Uh, I personally have the SeatGeek app on my phone. I use it all the time. I used it the other day, like I mentioned a couple uh, a couple minutes ago. The Red Sox are getting going. I looked to try to grab some Red Sox tickets. I'm trying to grab some tickets for one of those three Celtics games down the stretch um, before they get into the playoffs. Maybe even go get some playoff tickets uh, with SeatGeek. Uh, you can do it all that uh, on the app. Uh, so um, SeatGeek, I mean, they've they've done so many different things. They take all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. Um, they pull all the tickets available on every other site and bring them into one place so you can save time and you never miss out on a deal. Uh, you can even set alerts for upcoming events and you'll get alerts every time uh, ticket prices fall. So pretty good there. Um, and if you guys listening right now, you want a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase, you can just do this right now. Uh, to get your $20 rebate, go ahead and download the free SeatGeek app in the App Store or um, uh, Google Play. Go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code, and you can enter the promo code CelticsBeat, which is all one word, no spaces. That's C-E-L-T-I-C-S-B-E-A-T with no space. Uh, and then after that, SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Can't really beat that, right? So uh, download the free SeatGeek app in the App Store or Google Play today. Enter the promo code CelticsBeat today. All right, so we are here with Mike Dussault of PatsPropaganda.com. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at PatsPropaganda. Mike, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good, uh, as good as it can go in the dead of the off season, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, we had a v- pretty big move yesterday. Let's get started right there. Um, Terrence Knighton, I think it's a great addition to the team. Uh, let me get your thoughts on him real quick. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm never going to complain about adding a huge defensive tackle, especially one who essentially blew up our whole game plan uh, in the 2013 AFC Championship. So um, they've got a really good rotation inside now. I mean, I thought Malcolm Brown had a, had an outstanding year as a rookie. Uh, you know, we brought back Alan Branch, and, uh, you know, if they can keep easily healthy, uh, that's a that's a pretty good top four. I guess the, the big question is how quickly uh, are Knighton and Branch going to pass the conditioning test? Yeah, that's definitely a thing. I mean, what is the Knighton's three three thirty something, and then Alan Branch is pretty close to that, I would imagine. Yeah, they're both around two. I don't know. I guess they're saying Knighton lost a bunch of weight this year, which I think was kind of the knock on him, especially when he first got to Washington, was that you know he was just out of shape. And uh, you know, we've seen Belichick's willing to take a chance on these guys. You saw it with Hainsworth a few years ago. Uh, it's no guarantee that it's going to work out, but it seems like he's motivated, and if he's lost a bunch of weight. Um, you know, there's really no limit to the kind of defensive fronts that they can put together with, with this group of guys. Yeah, and speaking of the defensive front, let's stay right there. Um, they've obviously made some more additions there. They signed Chris Long. They, they got rid of Chandler Jones, but they signed Chris Long, who was, you know, number two overall pick in 2008. Hasn't quite lived up to number two overall pick status, but he's had some injury troubles, and he's a really smart player. What do you think of that? Simon? Yeah, I love it. I mean, and honestly, I mean, I think everybody kind of I mean a lot of us saw the writing on the wall with Chandler Jones I mean I remember right after the season ended it was like you know dangle him as trade bait because you're probably not going to be able to re-sign him you've got good defensive end depth and you know let's face it he's kind of disappeared during the big games I mean you look at the the playoff games you look at Chandler Jones stat line I mean it's it's not very impressive and you know I mean I'm sure he'll do good things for Arizona and he's and he's a good player I don't want to pretend like he's not but I think Chris Long and Jabal Sheard and Ninkovich, I, I think you actually are looking at a better pass rush than you had last year, at least in terms of the three top defensive ends. And you're, you're right. I think 
Long had some injuries the last couple of years, and it was really the first time he'd ever been injured in his career. Uh, he has, I believe, an ankle injury two years ago, and then last year he broke a bone in his knee, I think, which is kind of a strange sounding. But he came back. He just wasn't the same player. But, I mean, I went back, and you look at the first few games of last season, and he, right before he got hurt again, I mean, he was starting to round back into form. And, you know, the Patriots are going to use him smartly. They'll rotate him in and, you know, give him quality snaps. But, I mean, I think if you put him in position to, to primarily rush the passer in that role that we kind of saw sheared in at the beginning of last year, I, I think it's a great addition and, and one that I think actually will improve their pass rush overall. And, and you got to love how hungry he's going to be, having never been to the playoffs. You look at kind of the, how Chandler Jones dipped out in the playoffs. I'd expect Chris Long to really elevate in the playoffs. Yeah, my my thing with Chandler Jones was, you know, he's a great player, he's a great pass rusher. He he seemed to just die off at the end of the season. It was I think it, if I look I don't have the stats in front of me, but of of his 12 and a half, 13 sacks last year, I think 9 of them came within the first like 11 games or something like that. Yep. Yeah, it's true. I and, and I I looked back and I charted out just over his career stat numbers by month and it's like you look at September then it cuts in half down to like six in October, and then it's like three in November, and then you know it's like one in December. I mean, it was just you know, and I don't want to knock a guy. Stacks can be overrated. He was a good player, and you know, and, and he definitely contributed and had some big moments. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, he just he just disappeared, you know, and that's and that's not what you can have in your biggest games. You need your best players to step up. And then we've got three other guys who have, were all first round picks. I I think you could all, if you if you're a fan of one of these teams. You could probably look at each of these players as kind of a quote-unquote bust-type player. I'm talking about Shea McClellan from Chicago, uh, Nate Washington, who was also a first-round pick from Houston, and uh, Jonathan Cooper from Arizona, who you got in the trade for Chandler Jones. Mm -hmm. Three guys who were drafted in the first round, uh, haven't really lived up to the potential. Uh, what do you think about these three? Uh, I'll start with McClellan. He was one of my favorite guys coming out of the draft. I mean, every year I, I, I kind of ignore college football until the Patriots season's over, and then I dive in. And uh, Shane McClellan was a guy that I just I really liked, really athletic. And, you know, what we saw in Chicago was he's played under numerous coaches. He started out as a hand-down defensive end. And last year it seemed like he started to find his groove once they moved him to, to middle linebacker. And, you know, so now I think he comes into a situation where the Patriots are going to know exactly what they want uh, him to do and, and how they're going to use him, which I would assume would be, you know, similar to how they use Hightower and Collins in a, in a stand-up role where, you know, sometimes he's in coverage, sometimes he's going after the passer. I mean, he has experience doing both. Uh, and, and I think really your, your, the biggest position I saw that needed to be upgraded, especially after Mayo retired, was, was that middle linebacker spot when they play their quote-unquote base defense, even though that is you know really probably 15 to 20 percent of the time, if that. I mean, it's really just a run-stopping you know, run stopping formation now, personnel package. It's, it's, you know, it's not, oh, this is our base defense. This is what we're going to be in 60% of the time. So I think he's that third linebacker they really needed to find. Um, as for Jonathan Cooper, again, you know, it's just, it's just great to get a guy who had so much talent, you know, went in the top half of the, of the draft, um, you know, kind of fizzled out in Arizona. But it's like, these are just what the Patriots do. You know, they bring these guys in who, you know, didn't quite have success and, and they have such an established program and such an established coaching staff that, you know, these guys can step in and, and hopefully have some success. So they've got good young depth at guard. I think he's a good veteran acquisition. We're still kind of waiting baby to see if Ryan Wendell comes back, but um, it's exciting. I mean, and, and I think they'll have a decision to make next year where they have to, you know, pick up a fifth year option or, you know, if he kind of lives up to his hype all of a sudden and plays really well, Patriots will, you know, have a, have a tough decision to make. But the last guy, Nate Washington, I mean, the joke I kept making on Twitter about Nate Washington is I always feel like Nate Washington's that guy in fantasy 
where you're like that one week where your receivers are hurt, a couple guys are on by, you've got to find somebody on the waiver wire, and there's Nate Washington just always sitting there tempting you with that, like, three good games he's had. But, uh, you know, he has some experience in the offense. I, I You know, I think with these kind of positions, it's throw it at the wall, see what sticks, see if he clicks with Brady. But, you know, he's of the three, I'm probably least excited and, and have my hopes lowest for him. Yeah, you know, Jonathan Cooper, back to him, I mean – he was a guy who, like you said, for top half of the draft, he was. Uh, they they people said he was one of the highest graded offensive linemen in, in in ten fifteen years, something like that. Had some injury troubles, but I think you know you mentioned Wendell, you mentioned the young guards. I I was talking to uh, Paul Perillo of Patriots Football Weekly a few weeks ago on the show, and he said, "Listen, a veteran guard is what this team really. This offensive line would really do well with a veteran offensive uh, guard, and." That was right before they made the deal, and then they went out and made it. So, I mean, it looks like it makes sense from that perspective. Yeah, and he's also really athletic, which I think is, you know, really what they what they like most. And, I mean, we saw Shaq Mason last year, who, uh, you know, I was really surprised by. I mean, undersized guy, but just Belichick raving about his athleticism. Um, you know, I, I totally agree. I mean, you just you have options. I'll be, what I'm most curious to see is, you know, we saw the last couple of years that they all of a sudden kind of went to this, like, offensive line rotation and you know they're pulling solder off and they you know they're juggling all these guys especially early in the season and Guglielmo if I said that correctly <laughs> you know if that was kind of his his thing and now that Skarnecki is back if we'll kind of see more of a firm group but um, they certainly have a, an interesting group of of interior guys and uh, I, I hope we'll get to the draft a little bit but I mean I think tackle for me is in the draft that would be probably my biggest priority. Oh, absolutely. I'm totally with you there. We'll, we'll, we will get to that in a second. I do, uh, you mentioned that uh, the, the rotation, the offensive lineman rotation. I remember at the beginning of the season, uh, I was sitting there, I was talking about it, I was you know doing some post-game show stuff as well, and I was sitting there going, man, I really like that they're doing this. I know that you know at the beginning of the season, obviously, it works out so well because you had so many bodies, and as, as time goes on, you got to you know, kind of limit that. But I thought the first you know, three, four games of this season, I thought the offensive line rotation was great. You were getting all different guys, all sorts of uh, experience. They were all kind of figuring out what worked best together. Uh, and then it was all derailed, obviously, by, by the injuries to Solder yeah. and Wendell and, and Stork and everybody. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, and you also, you know, you're mitigating your injury risk a little bit. You know, you're not quite throwing guys into the flame right out. I mean, I think the problem the Patriots had when Solder went down was that they just didn't have another really athletic tackle. They had basically all right tackles left, you know, and, and a couple guards. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I know everybody wants to murder Marcus Cannon, but I feel like Marcus Cannon, he's fine in a backup right tackle role. It's just, you know, once they tried to stick him over at left tackle where he, you know, in theory was the backup left tackle, you know, it kind of showed how much he really struggled to, to move. And, and it really, I think it, it limited their, their playbook as well. So, you know, now you have Bulmer who's getting up there. I mean, he's got to be near the end. He's entering his last year. You have Cannon entering his last year. Uh, you know, and I think that's that, uh, getting that athletic swing tackle who can kind of back things up and then maybe step in at right tackle next year for Bulmer. That's, you know, in the draft what I think I think would make sense. But but I, I, I'd be curious to see if they keep the rotation. I think it'll tell you if it was kind of a Belichick forward thinking, let's get everybody working together, chemistry, let's prevent injuries. You know, if that's the line of thinking – or if it was crap, we don't really know what we have right now. But we got to throw it all against the wall and see what clicks. Uh, I think we'll find out the answer this year. And uh, one more position before we get to the draft. There, um, my biggest thing I've been talking about for 
you know, I would say probably since Aaron Hernandez left the team, was the second tight end position. Mm-hmm. The guy that is, is complimenting Rob Gronkowski, it was huge. And now look at this. We got Martellus Bennett, and I think it's a fantastic Absolute Bill Belichick move to a T. What do you think about Martellus Bennett? Yeah, I love it. I, I wrote a, I wrote a pretty long piece uh, a week or two ago about it, which I think what's most interesting to me about the Bennett move is that you look at back when they had Gronk and Hernandez or even you know Ben Watson and, and Daniel Graham, when they had these two tight end sets that, that they really loved, it was usually more a traditional wide tight end, which is what Gronk is, a, blo- a guy who can block, a guy who can, you know, Gronk is obviously Gronk. I mean, he, nobody is the combination of blocker and receiver that Gronkowski is. But you had that guy, and then you always had the Ben Watson type or the Hernandez type, which, you know, you, you're not going to want to put him in line blocking him a ton. You knew, you knew what his limitations were, but he was so good in space uh, that, that, you know, it made it work. Now with Bennett, you have two legitimate wide tight ends who can both block, who can both run. Um, so it just, I think it, it's really exciting from a standpoint of, yes, we've always loved the two tight end set, but this is truly uh, something we haven't really seen with these two guys who can do it all, where it's not like, oh, they're going to pull Aaron Hernandez in line. We know which way they're running to if they're running the ball. They're not running towards Aaron Hernandez's side. But now it, it really gives you any option. You put those two guys on the field, and you don't even have to change personnel. You can go power running package, or you can go spread offense. And either one, you're just going to play the matchup, see how the defense wants to play you, and then exploit whatever they're trying to do. And just the fact that, that Martellus Bennett is physically bigger than Rob Gronkowski just blows crazy. my mind. It's crazy. I mean, it, it's unfair. It's unfair. <laughs> you know, and like, it felt like that when they got Randy Moss and, and, you know, even like that first game of 2007 with Jets and early on, it was like, this, this feels unfair right now. Like our, our team, it's just, it's too good. How do you stop them? You know? And I think it's a positive that we're saying these things now and uh, we haven't even had the draft yet. So, you know, it's like, they're going to add, I mean, they, yeah, they don't have a first round pick, but they got four picks in the next, you know, in the first, what, 100 of them. So, I mean, they, you know, I think they're going to do, they're going to do just fine and really round out this team. And then even adding on to that tight end depth, uh, the other day you go out and you, you signed Clay Harbor, mm-hmm. who at 6'3", 250 is no small guy either, and was kind of underutilized in Jacksonville from what I've heard, you know, fourth round draft pick by, by Philadelphia. He's got, you know... In his six-year career, he's got, I got the stats here, 111 catches for 1,151 yards and eight touchdowns. Uh, I've heard he can line up at fullback, which is another Hernandez kind of thing. Um, I've heard he can line up out wide. Uh, what do you know about Clay Harbor, if anything? Yeah, I think I think he's, he's more in that H-back role, and I think they will use him, you know, not so much in line as a blocker, but they'll use him, like you said, as a fullback, as an H-back, you know, as, as a move tight end. I mean, I think the interesting thing to me is with when you have Bennett and Gronkowski is the trickle down effect. You know, is are we going to be playing all two tight end sets now? Is this going to be just the majority of the time? Is that going to really limit how much Danny Amendola is on the field? Is that going to reduce his snaps? Um, so I think when you're looking at somebody like Harbor, it's in that role of down in these special goal line packages where they want to go power, but they want to have, you know, another move option who, who's pretty big. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think. For me, I think that's going to all play out in the dra- in, in training camp. And, you know, it's, it's no set plan, no easy way, oh, this is how it's going to work. I mean, I think between him, between Devlin, between the second-year guy, A.J. Derby, who, who, you know, also has some good size, and, and it sounds like he's healthy. I guess he popped up last week at a charity event and looks ready to go. So, you know, they've got a lot of these guys, a lot of versatility, and uh, 
you know, and, and I think everybody a lot, a lot of times thinks like, well, how's it going to work? How's and I don't even think the Patriots know how it's going to work. They just like the player. They see opportunity. They think maybe he was underutilized or misused, or at the very least, you know, it's it's like that. Well, we'll just have him play with Tom Brady. You know, like who knows what'll happen? Like I'm, that's what I'm gonna miss most about when Brady's gone is like you don't have this magic maker where you can take like some other team's cast off and be like, well. He wasn't. He never played with a Hall of Fame quarterback. Like maybe we can make magic out of him. You know that doesn't happen the other way with other teams. Where they're like our crappy quarterback, they're never going to make it work with this guy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So let's get to the draft. I came into this week and I'm you know setting up the show, everything. I'm thinking about okay, you know we'll talk a little bit of draft. It's still kind of early for me. Yeah, you know, maybe me next too. week. But but you know. I came in, and now my whole kind of thoughts are blown out. I thought, well, maybe they'll go after a second tight end in the draft. Maybe they'll go after a, a linebacker in the draft. And they signed, you know, a middle linebacker who I think is going to play a pretty decent amount of snaps in Shane McClellan. And they signed two tight ends. They got Martellus Bennett yeah. and Clay Harbor. So now I'm thinking maybe they're going uh, secondary, maybe a, a, a big corner. Um, I know they signed a guy the other day, EJ Biggers, but... Maybe that's where they're going. Are they going to go maybe wide receiver, which they've had absolutely no luck with? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think I think for me, I look at like I said, the tackle spot. But you know, it's it's a, it's like when they took Solder in 2011, and you know they had Matt Light and they had Bulmer. Uh, we didn't probably quite realize Matt Light was as close to the end as he was. But you know, they, a year early, I think the draft is always about building for the future and not filling immediate needs and. You know, in, in doing the, the draft study as closely as I have, especially the last five, six years, it's like you, I feel like the Patriots, they always fill every single need before the draft. So there's no position they really, really, really have to come away with a starter from. Um, you know, and that's pretty much what they've done this year. I still look at the immediate holes, like you said, at running back and at wide receiver. Um, those are the two big ones that jump out at me. And those are always the exciting positions to kind of look at in the draft. But I think it's it's interesting because people often you know say oh we need a deep threat we need a deep threat and I mean I think I'm of the opinion that we know what this offense is we know what Brady's strengths are uh, the strength of this offense is finding guys who can get open quickly who are smart uh, there just isn't a use for a guy like Mike Wallace who's going to run down the field really fast every single down you know it's just it's just it's a, it's this offense is one where the, rece- the receivers have to compute what the defense is doing and adjust their routes accordingly. And if you have one guy who's like, well, you don't worry about it. You just run down the field. Like it just doesn't fit. So I look at, you know, the guy, uh, and, and a lot of these guys are probably going to be gone because it's so hard to judge this year without a first round pick. But, you know, a guy like Sterling Shepard out of Oklahoma, uh, he's one guy that I've watched. And I mean, he's probably going to go in the first round now, but you know, you look at that kind of player who's not the deep, deep speed kind of, you know, six two two twenty guy that every but he wants that, you know, usually is built like AJ Green. But, you know, those are the guys that can get open, that understand route running. I think I think you gotta you gotta take a shot at wide receiver and you gotta take a shot at running back with a with a couple. I think even if they were to bring back LeGarrette Blount who's still out there, uh, I think you need that first down guy who can really get the chains moving. I think that's what they missed most last year. Even, you know, when Blount, he's a good player, but I feel like he needs and there's of course there's no guarantee he's even coming back. But he's the kind of player that needs to get rolling. They have good depth with, you know, Deion Lewis, who I'm excited about, um, just fantastic last year. Blew my mind watching that guy come out of nowhere. But I think for me that, that those are kind of the primary positions. And, you know, otherwise I think you just play the matchups. Who who fits our team? Who fits what we want to do? Do we take another cornerback? Sure. You know, I, I think defensive end, why not? You know, I mean, there's so many good defensive end and defensive tackles in this class that really fit what they do. I think you can't really ignore any position, even if they seem pretty stacked there. Yeah, that was kind of my thought process as well as, well, you know, 
I heard that they were, you know, a couple weeks ago we heard, well, they they showing some interest in Nick Fairley, which I was kind of, yeah, I was like, no, nah, yeah. I don't know really about that. But then I'm, I'm thinking ahead, oh, the draft, I've heard there's a lot of defensive tackles, a lot of defensive linemen in the draft. And then they go out and they get Terrence Knight, and I'm sure that they'll probably, they only, he's only assigned to a one-year deal. So you're right, they'll probably go out and get one guy, but... Um, you mentioned running back and looking at the you know the draft picks, especially the fourth round draft picks. Uh, that's really where the meat of the, that running back position. That's really where you get those guys third, yep. fourth round picks. Yeah, a guy like Alex Collins from Arkansas. He's one. You know, it's just it, they don't. And that's the thing. It's like they don't have to be these every down backs that you know you used to be trying to find in the first and second round, where we need a guy who's going to come in and play all three downs for us. It's it's totally manageable, and we saw it when they drafted Ridley and Vereen. They're able to, you know, stick these guys in a role, ease them in. I mean, it's a, you know, they also picked up Donald Brown, who's similar to Nate Washington. I feel like is kind of just a, you know, a training camp body to see, you know, how injuries play out. But, you know, I, I think that's probably my biggest need. But it's going to be interesting to see how they attack it, and I think that probably will take a couple guys because, as we saw last year, they just became so one-dimensional without a running game. And it just made it impossible. Oh, you know, Brady's got to throw the ball 60 times, whatever it is. It's just not, not a good formula for keeping that offensive, offense successful. All right. So now we, so we've, just, we've established that, the, you know, the Patriots, you said, you mentioned it. You, I think you said it perfectly. They fill all their holes before the draft. So now they just kind of draft for the future and they figure out where they're going from here. That brings me to this. Tom Brady was just signed to a two-year extension, and he's going to be here for, for quite some time. Jimmy Garoppolo is still sitting on the bench. Did yeah. they go out and go after another quarterback maybe this year and and start that timetable against Brady? Because I can't imagine that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be here much longer if Tom Brady is going to hear is here another two years. Yeah, if if there's one thing I'm guilty of so far in this draft research is ignoring the quarterbacks, and I think I think so. I mean, I think you can in this league you can never ignore the quarterbacks. You can never take a chance, not take a chance on drafting a guy who fits what you do. Uh, and I think that's what the Garoppolo is, is he just fits what they do so well in terms of his skill set, his quick release, his quick processing. And he's also got some athleticism. I, I don't know. Now with Brady getting an extension, I mean, things were kind of stacking up where it was like, all right, next year they were going to both be entering the last years of their deal. Maybe that's when it's kind of game on for a legitimate competition. But I think what we've seen from Brady is just so minimal drop off, if any, uh, you know, that. He just, it doesn't seem like, unfortunately, Garoppolo is probably going to have a future here as much as I like him. But, you know, as we saw with Hoyer and we saw with Mallet uh, and even going back to Matt Castle, developing quarterbacks is a good business. So I think if there's a guy out there that they think fits, um, I think you got you to gotta take a chance. Sure. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. And uh, it's, it's obviously the most important position on the field. And uh, real quick before we get you out of here, just, you know, they, they, the thought process in the offseason was, you know, Chandler Jones, Dante Hightower, and Jamie Collins all need contracts. Who are they going to sign? Who are they going to pay? Malcolm Butler is also going to need a contract yeah. eventually. Um, who are the guys? Uh, it has to be Hightower and Collins yeah. above all else. Yeah, right? I, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm torn in my, between my heart and my mind with Hightower and Collins because I feel like Hightower has my heart. I mean, I just... I love the way he plays, how physical he is. Um, you know, he just he just really seems to settle that defense down. But at the same time, I feel like Collins is kind of a better fit for how the NFL is going in terms of just his pure athleticism and ability to cover. Um, you know, so I, I'm torn between those two. But I think that, yes, they're both huge priorities. And, I mean, the thing is that after this year, the, de- 
the defense is basically going to hit reset mode. I mean, they're already starting to do it now. We saw with, you know, Chung getting an extension. But, I mean, basically all these guys have their contracts up where, you know, like you said, Branch, uh, uh, Sheard is up after this year. Ninkovich is up after this year. Um, so they really are, are now hitting a time where, all right, how are we going to formulate this defense from the start? And, you know, really when I started really focusing on the team, that was kind of the thing that interests me most was like, all right, how's Belichick going to rebuild this defense from the dynasty defense? You know, he's going to have Tom Brady, but he's going to have to build another defense to, to get a Super Bowl. And, you know, that, that, that really has been the most interesting theme that I've been following in, in blogging. And now we're kind of reaching the point where, all right, now he's found the players. How does he keep those players? Uh, I mean, I, they have the money. You know, they're going to have the cap space. They don't have all these guys sign words like, how are we going to manage it? It's just a question of, Will these guys really want to hit the market? Will somebody like Collins want to see what his worth is like on the market? Or are they going to take that Patriots deal that's probably get 75 cents on the dollar of what they might get in free agency? So, I mean, I think by now everybody knows what the Patriots bring. I think, I think Butler is going to be the hard one. And he's a restricted free agent next year. Uh, but, I mean, the amount of money that corners are getting. And, and you get a young guy like that who kind of has that swagger to him that's just, you know, so fun to watch and, really takes takes the, the competition so to heart and plays so hard. Um, you know, I think if you keep those two linebackers, you keep Butler and and you try to keep Sheard, that's really your core going forward. And, you know, then you fill out the rest of the pieces as you, as, as you need to. But those are the priorities, I think. All right, Mike Dussault of PatsPropaganda.com. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, at PatsPropaganda. Mike, thank you so much. We'll have you back yeah, soon, Yeah, thanks, right? Mike. I appreciate it. All right, great stuff there from Mike Dussault of PatsPropaganda.com. Running short on time here, we got to get out of here, but really quickly, I would like to mention Kevin Turner, uh, the man who passed away a couple weeks ago, former Patriots running back, fullback, uh, died from ALS, was one of the lead plaintiffs in the concussion lawsuit against the NFL um, that brought more than 5,000 former and current players together to fight against the NFL. Um, I just wanted to mention that this is one of the causes that I really, really care about a lot. Um, not only ALS, which is you know an awful, horrible disease that affects you know so many great people, but the concussion issue in the NFL is something that cannot be ignored. I know people like Jerry Jones and you know all these other owners would like to ignore it and would like to pretend it doesn't exist, but it does exist. It is affecting all of these people, all of these former players. If you just hear them talk, if you hear their stories. There's no way that there's no connection between uh, football and concussion-related injuries. So uh, I would just like to, you know, I would like people to keep his memory in mind, and I would like them to keep uh, pushing the NFL to research more and release more information and to stop treating the concussion crisis like it's something that can be ignored. Um, so, guys, listen, I'll be back in a couple weeks. Um, I'll talk to you soon. I'll talk to you then. We'll be getting really ramped up for the draft at that point, so I will be able to really delve in deep and look into the deep, deep rounds of the draft and see what kind of gold the Patriots can mine uh, from the tunnels. Uh, until then, guys, listen, you can be sure to follow me on Twitter at M underscore Alonji. Also, follow the show at Patriots underscore Beat. Uh, you can go ahead and follow our, sh- our, our uh, mother page at CLNS Radio. And you can go ahead and like the pages on Facebook. Like I said, check us out on Twitter. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Go ahead and do that. Um, And we'll talk to you soon, guys. Thanks a lot. Uh, Enjoy your time. See you.